Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're tuning in to this podcast. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me you can see our journalists' commemorative altar, but we are of course here for you all. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always wonderful to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, you'll find details in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. be with you. 
A very warm welcome to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the fourth Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin now with our opening prayer. Let us pray. We say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We stand for the glory.
O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that, with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not our hold on things eternal. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the Lamentations of Jeremiah. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when he has laid it on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter and be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love for he does not willingly afflict or grieve the sons of men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. You excel in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in your love for us. See that you excel in this gracious work also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I give my advice. It is best for you now to complete what a year ago you began not only to do but to desire, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a man has, not according to what he has not. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of equality, your abundance at the present time should supply their want, so that their abundance may supply your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing over, and he who gathered little had no lack. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and besought him, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a flow of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhage ceased, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means... Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked. She was twelve years of age, and they were immediately overcome and amazed. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. I must crave your indulgence this morning because today's Gospel reading contains what is possibly my favourite story in the whole of the New Testament. So my apologies if you've heard me on this subject before because I really cannot get enough of it. It is truly remarkable. A bit of background to this. Many years ago, I picked up a rather dated book about St. Mark's Gospel, which said of the Gospel reading that we have just heard, what a pity it is that St. Mark disrupts the flow of a perfectly good miracle story, the raising of Jairus' daughter, by dumping another completely unrelated story in the middle of it, the story of the healing of the woman with the issue of blood, which goes to prove just how little that particular author understood either about our reading or about St Mark, because nothing could be further from the truth. St Mark's Gospel is certainly full of rough edges and he leaves us, his readers, with all the work to do in making the connections between the, the things that he sets before us. But he always knows exactly what he is doing. And what he is doing in weaving these two particular stories together is just mind-blowing. So let's look at it. Jairus, who is one of the leaders of the synagogue, note that detail, begs Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter, who is at the point of death. So Jesus sets off with Jairus to his home, accompanied by a large crowd. And it is then that the second story begins, because a woman who has been suffering from an issue of blood for many years comes up behind Jesus. Now, this is a woman who is at her wit's end. Not only is she physically unwell, indeed her condition is deteriorating, not only has she used up all her resources in her desperate attempts to find a cure, but there is also one additional dimension to her plight that is arguably worse than anything else. Because, according to Jewish religious law, a woman in her condition was deemed to be in a permanent state of ritual impurity. She was literally untouchable because she contaminated everything and everyone that she touched, even her own family members, which rendered her an outcast. And that, of course, is why she feels unable to approach Jesus directly. She cannot ask Jesus to lay hands on her and make her well, simply because no one is able to touch her, which is why she creeps up behind him and touches, well, she dare not even touch his person, merely his cloak, for she thinks that just possibly that in itself might be enough. And when she does this, Jesus, feeling the power go out from him, says this. Who touched my clothes? 
The disciples are perplexed. There's a whole crowd pressing around Jesus. How could he possibly be conscious of a single individual touching him? And the woman, realising that she has been discovered, comes forward and falls before him in fear and trembling. Because, of course, she has done something that she is expressly forbidden to do. And she is guilty of contaminating him. And we then come to the really astonishing bit. Just pause and think about the similarities and the differences between these two miracle, these two healing stories for a moment. In Jairus, we have a named individual, an important religious authority, a man who approaches Jesus directly and falls before him, pleading for him to touch his daughter. How old is his daughter? Twelve years old. Then we have our nameless woman, too fearful to approach Jesus directly and who cannot ask him to touch her, who also falls down before him but does so out of fear because she has been found out. How long has that nameless woman been suffering from her condition? Twelve years. Whether you are the most respected of religious leaders or the most impure, unclean, nameless, fearful outcast, Jesus sees your need and responds to it. He makes no distinction whatsoever. But that is merely the start. Because who were the people who were responsible for upholding the purity laws, who had the power to declare individuals clean or unclean? It was, of course, the religious authorities, men such as Jairus. It is entirely possible that it was Jairus himself who was directly responsible for that woman's exclusion from society. And yet, in purely human terms, Jairus is every bit as needy and as desperate as the woman whom he or his like have excluded. But for Jesus, not only do the distinctions between respectable and outcast mean absolutely nothing. Much more startling in terms of the conventions of his culture is his utter disregard for the Jewish distinction between pure and impure. Because his compassion extends to all and embraces all regardless. He is the bringer of new life to a young girl whose 12-year-old life has come to an end and to a woman whose life has been draining away from her for 12 long years. Their circumstances mean little to Jesus. Their need means everything. But for me, there is one additional detail in the story that is often overlooked, but which I find more powerful and more poignant than all the rest put together. Jairus is a man with a home 
with a family. He has a crowd of attendants and servants surrounding him all the time. The woman is utterly isolated and comes to Jesus completely alone, concealing her presence within the crowd that throngs around him. And in the story, as I've already observed, she does not even have a name, except that she does, because Jesus gives her one. His very first word to that poor, isolated, desperate, outcast, terrified woman is daughter. And by addressing her in this way, he not only gives her a name and an identity, but he breaks through her utter isolation by giving her a relationship, a direct personal relationship with him. Daughter. When Jesus raises from the dead the other daughter in this story, the daughter of Jairus, he addresses her simply as little girl, Talitha. Because, of course, that little girl already has all the things that the other woman lacks. She has wealth. She has people to care for her. She has, above all, an utterly devoted father. She is already somebody's daughter. So in our Gospel reading today, what we have is a tale of two daughters whose stories go back 12 years and whose lives are suddenly woven together in an extraordinary and mysterious parallel. One, a much-cherished little girl, the other a complete outcast, who has nobody, but who is every bit as precious in the sight of Jesus. Because far from recoiling from her when she defiles him with her touch, he draws her to himself and calls her daughter. Ours is a God whose love in Christ knows no bounds. It is a love that cannot be contained even by death, hence the raising of Jairus's daughter. It is a love that defies the boundaries of social convention and moral acceptability, hence the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. It is a love that pours out excessively and profligately, touching everyone and everything, healing, transforming and saving. I can remember hearing Rowan Williams' reflection on being caught up in the horrific events of 9-11 and the destruction of the Twin Towers. He observed, I'm paraphrasing his words, that terrorists only ever view human beings from a distance as undifferentiated masses of people who fall into distinct categories Western civilization equals bad, different kind of Islam equals bad, and so on. 
from any terrorist's point of view, whatever their particular religious or political affiliation happens to be, anyone falling within such broad categories is deemed a legitimate target, and any others who suffer in the process are merely collateral damage. But what Jesus does is the exact opposite. He doesn't care about categories at all because he sees human life not from a distance, but in close-up. Because for him, each and every human life, regardless of culture or status or tribe, is distinct and precious in his sight, as in today's Gospel. Which is why ours truly is a faith based on love. Because love can only ever exist and have meaning at the level of an individual life. And it does so regardless of what that life happens to be. Jesus said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have promised to hear the prayers of those who ask in faith. Bless your church in all its members with the humility that was in Christ, that all who live a life of service in faith eschew the trappings of wealth and popularity, that they instead share in the riches Christ brought to our fallen humanity. May no one be out of reach of the love that is Christ. Lord, in your mercy, 
hear our prayer. Move with your spirit, we pray, the wills of those who control the resources of the world, that our poorest peoples might have an equal sharing in the bountiful good things which you have created, that the wealthiest of nations might be richer for their charity, and may hardness of heart bring the mighty to their knees. Bless all your creation and all who fight for the preservation of all that lives on the land, beneath the waters and navigates the skies. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give us grace to share the burdens of our friends and neighbours. Guide us to listen and respond to those who call to us for help. Bless this community of St Brides, all who gather for worship, all who support the community in prayer and in finance, all who are touched by our ministry our journalists, those who live and work in our parish, and all who pass through this place. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray your compassion on all who suffer long and wasting diseases. For all who suffer the effects of COVID-19, particularly for those living with the uncertainty of long COVID. For the skills, energy, ingenuity and patience of our medical teams, and for the continued hope and support of families, friends and carers of all who are sick. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who have died, particularly those who have died in childhood, giving thanks for their short lives. We pray too for those who mourn their loss. and for all who have lost their loved ones, but now hold them in their hearts, as you hold them in your eternal care. We offer our prayers through Christ, by whom we are all raised to new life. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts, in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your, holy, by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, 
so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Eternal God, comfort of the afflicted and healer of the broken, you have fed us at the table of life and hope. Teach us the ways of gentleness and peace, that all the world may acknowledge the kingdom of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.